Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I am always excited to be here with you. So it's been a few weeks since our staff was at Quilt Market in Houston, and then as soon as we got back to the office, we had to move to a different floor in our building. So it has been a crazy few weeks for us. But don't worry, the day this podcast is airing, we are actually taking a group field trip to Missouri Star. So we're all relaxing and shopping in Hamilton, Missouri. Back to the podcast, though. On today's episode, we're sharing our best tips for machine quilting. Everything from prepping your quilt top before quilting, to picking a quilting design, to even working with a long-arm quilter. We also share popular reader tips about hanging and displaying your quilts, and on getting social, we chat with Brett Lewis of Natural Born Quilter, who shares how he got his start in the industry, some fussy cutting tips, and we get the scoop on his first ever fabric line that's hitting stores in April 2020. So let's dive in. I'm here with Joanna Bergerino, the editor of Quilts and More, and today we're talking about a topic most quilters have questions about, machine quilting. That's right. For many quilters, the finishing is the hardest part. Perhaps you have a large pile of UFOs or unfinished objects, and you can't stop yourself from starting a new project before that old one is finished. Perhaps you have a good, don't have a good setup for quilting a large top. Perhaps the project just feels complete once the top part is done, and then you remember you still have to do the quilting part. <laughs> That's usually where I am. Me too. Whatever the reason, machine quilting is often the big question mark at the end of your process. What do you do? So, Lindsay, I know you like to finish your quilts on your domestic sewing machine. That's right. So I own a Baby Lock Rachel, which is the tiniest little sewing machine, <laughs> but I love it. And I have a quilted bed size, up to bed size quilts on it. Wow. Um, I just have to be careful when I do that. I usually can only do very simple designs, like straight lines or uh, like wavy lines when I do that because I don't have a lot of throat space to play with. But I, I find that I just like to finish things myself that I don't need anything fancy for most of my quilts. I have gotten some of my quilts machine quilted, special ones, um, by a long armor, but otherwise I just like the simple simple things that I've done it from start to finish all myself, and even if there's mistakes, I don't care. <laughs> I love that. For me, I just find the process of rolling and moving the quilt sandwich around to be a hassle. My machine has a pretty small throat size as well, and my shoulders tense up, and then I'm sore for at least a day. And I've just found over time that I prefer to send my quilts out. So I do usually send them to a long armor. It's a little more expensive, which um, I'm not thrilled about. And I do like that feeling of finishing something from the beginning to the end. But I just find that it's worth it to not have the shoulder pain and to not have to struggle because a lot of times I'll put off finishing my quilt because I just don't want to deal with it. So today we have some do's and don'ts to share with you for machine quilting in general and then at the end I'm also going to throw in a few tips for sending your quilt to a long armor but most of these will work whether you do it yourself or send it away. Great. And we've separated these into three categories. So the first category is to carefully prep your quilt sandwich. You're going to want to make sure the batting and the backing are about six to eight inches wider and longer than the quilt top. You'd be surprised how much quilting can shrink the size of a pieced quilt. I find that happens all the time. And you're going to want to make sure you have enough extra to cover that. It's always better to have extra than to end up being sorry because you didn't have enough. Absolutely. Make sure your quilt top lies flat by using consistent quarter inch seams, pressing the seams to one side, 
and watching out for any seams that might twist or cause a bump when you put your quilt sandwich together. The flatter, the better. That really is the big difference when you're quilting something because those bumps make your design pucker. Yes, and I like to use the trick where I just clip into the seam allowance so that I can press the twisted seam in both directions. I know a lot of people don't like to do it Mm -hmm. that way, but I have never had trouble with it unraveling. I'm glad you said that because I feel like that's my guilty little quilting secret is that I do that all the time. Uh, You do have to be careful that you don't clip too close to the seam or it will unravel. And I've heard some people say that over time that might weaken your seams but again I've never had trouble with it either so in a pinch it definitely works yep do it all the time I feel like I shouldn't admit that maybe (laughs) we we all have our tricks and people can do whatever they think works for them absolutely (laughs) Uh, next make sure you clip any loose threads and fabrics and trim dog ears any of these can cause a shadow behind lighter fabrics if you don't remove them and it can also cause bulk and make your quilt lumpy I'm very guilty of not clipping all my loose threads, and then I have to try and pick them out of the quilted motif later, and it's a pain. So just do it ahead of time. You won't regret it. Yeah, and just a note, if you have a very light background, but you're working with dark fabrics and they're pressed towards the lighter background, you can trim your seam allowance to like an eighth of an inch to just avoid as much of that shadowing Mm -hmm. as possible. That's a great tip. You're also going to want to repair any raveling seams and stay stitched the edges of your quilt top. Uh, This is especially helpful if you have a pieced border. It's a good idea to stay stitch a scant quarter inch from the quilt top edges just to secure any of those uh, unintersected seams. It prevents them from popping open when the quilt layers are loaded onto the machine. And I've also found this is helpful with any on-point layouts because you have a lot of bias edges that you don't want to stretch as you're quilting. Yeah, and if this is something where you finish the quilt top and you're not going to quilt it for a while, you should definitely stay stitched because the more you store it or just let Mm -hmm. it sit aside, you do not want any seams unraveling with a long-term storage situation. (laughs) True. Uh, So then moving on to our second category, which is pay attention to your backing. Um, So this is a tip that comes up a lot, but um, don't use bed sheets as backing. They have a higher thread count than quilting cottons, and the difference can cause skipped stitches or broken threads and needles. The way the needle usually works with quilting cottons is it goes between the spaces of the threads, but it can't do that with a high thread count sheet so good to know yeah um Lindsay, you have a, a tip for pieced backing is that correct yeah so i piece all of my backing so i rarely use just one piece of fabric i love pulling from my stash i love using all of my leftover fabrics if i'm using like a fabric collection i don't like to waste anything uh, and i usually try to center the design on the back so I do my best to make sure that my quilt is square before quilting everything and everything's lining up and that there aren't a lot of bias seams in the design because that can cause uh, things to shift and then you get a crooked design on the back and it also really helps to press all the seams on your piece to back using a half an inch seam allowance that's usually what I sew because it just gives a little more structure when you have a lot of seams on the backing. Some great advice, and I, I love the look of a pieced back. It really feels very economical, too, and um, it just adds that extra pretty pop to the yeah, other side. Yeah, a little something special, a surprise. <laughs> uh, speaking of that little surprise, um, we also suggest as the third category is to think about the personality of your quilt. So are you going for a formal look? Does it have whimsical fabric, modern, traditional, elegant, casual? A lot of times what you want to do when you pick your quilting motif is make it match the feeling of the quilt because otherwise you'll have maybe a very whimsical quilting design with a very formal quilt and it doesn't quite mesh well. Right. 
This is especially important if you're making a gift. If this is a quilt for a baby or like, you know, a small child, it's going to get a lot of use. You want to think about that when you're choosing how much stitching is on there and how it's going to hold up over time. And also if it's a design the kid's going to like because, you know, you want something fun. Yeah. So um, all over designs are really good for um, children's design, children's quilts as mm-hmm. well. So. Um, one thing I do sometimes when I have projects that I'm trying to finish that um, it's a little bit of cheating, <laughs> but if it's a wall quilt, I will go lighter on my quilting just because it's probably never going to be washed. So if I just want to finish it quickly, that's a good way to do it because no one will know except for all of you listeners who just heard my secret. I do that on a lot of my table runners too. Mm-hmm. If it's not something that's going like maybe on a kitchen table, it's just like on a dresser or something. I'm yeah. never going to wash it. So I'll just do really easy light quilting. <laughs> and most of my runners end up on my dining room table and full of food. So when you said that, I had a little panic attack where I'm like, no, no, that needs lots of washing and quilting. Mine are just like on dressers or like our coffee table where oh, I probably wouldn't need to Makes sense. wash most of them. <laughs> so those are our three categories of things to think about for machine quilting. Again, they are prepping your layers, being smart about your backings, and considering the quilt's personality. If you're sending your quilt to a long armor, like I usually do, you're also going to want to discuss things like the drape of the project. So, for example, if you know something is going on your couch draped over the back of it, that changes your design versus something that's going to be on a bed versus a wall. You want to think about the intended use of the quilt, a timeline for when the long armor will have the finished quilt ready. Um, Also, whether or not the long armor wants you to supply your own thread and batting, a lot of them have that in bulk and they just work that into your invoice. And each long armor is a little different, but find one you like and they should be able to walk you through the process and help you pick the best quilting for you. I also like to point out any possible problems I know a quilt might have. So I just took one in recently that I start, when I first started quilting, I pieced it and it had some problems (laughs) and it was a little embarrassing but I actually pointed out like you know here's the part where the seams don't nest right and there's a bump and um, she was very honest about what she could and couldn't quilt out which you hear a lot Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just really helpful because she had some things I had never would have thought of that helped minimize the effect of those bumps such as like particular patterns that you know would skim over it so make Make good use of their expertise. Yeah, you're a team in Mm -hmm. this last part of the quilting process. So they can supply a lot of knowledge that you do not have. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thanks so much, Joanna. Um, If you want more tips for working with a long arm quilter and the American Patchwork and Quilting February 2020 issue, which comes out in just a few weeks, we actually interviewed uh, five or six long arm quilters and they gave kind of their best tips for working with them. So make sure you check that out for more tips. Thanks so much, Joanna. We'll be back after this quick ad break. Now Joanna and I are jumping into Back to Basics, a segment where we share tips and tricks about a sewing tool or technique. So Joanna, what are we learning today? Since we've been discussing machine quilting today, I thought I'd continue that trend by discussing a couple of my favorite tips for machine quilting and finishing your quilts. Awesome. So the first tip is to test your combination of your thread, your needle, and your tension when you're doing your quilting. Tension issues come up a lot. That's usually why your thread is breaking or your stitches are uneven. Uh, I like to start by taking scraps of my actual project and making just a little mini quilt sandwich so I can play around with the tension and make sure everything's good before I start quilting the main project. 
Once I get the main project on the machine, I like to also test it a little bit in the batting and backing area. There's usually some, or there should be some extra on there, as we discussed earlier. <laughs> um, and that just gives you a starting point before you move the needle into your actual project, just to make sure that everything is working properly and you're happy with your stitch quality, because it's always better to test it multiple times before you start on the actual project. Yeah, and just to throw in an extra tip there, I was just quilting a project and my tension was off and it was because I had not cleaned my machine in a while mm. and it was causing my bobbin to not move as smoothly. So mm. it might be a great idea to just do a quick clean, change the needle if you need mm -hmm. to, and that should help some of the tension issues. Yes, I always find that usually it's a cleaning and a dull needle issue before it's ever an actual tension issue. Mm -hmm. So those are always good places to start, good safe places to start. Uh, I have a little bonus tip of my own, which is as you're doing this planning and testing on your scraps, think about if you want your quilting to stand out or to kind of recede into the background. A lot of times if I'm trying a new design, if I'm not sure how it's going to look or if I'm going to like the finished project, I'll pick thread that matches really closely because then if you wobble a little bit or your motions aren't you know, quite as confident as you'd like, you can't really tell. Whereas if it's a design I've done hundreds of times or... I really know I'm going to like how it looks. That sounds kind of cocky, but you know, sometimes you know that mm -hmm. things are working. Yeah. Um, then I'll pick uh, more of a contrasting thread so that it stands out. Oh, I like that. The uh, second tip, and this goes for a lot of things with sewing, but particularly for quilting, because as we discussed, it can be a little hard on your shoulders, is to take regular breaks. So you're going to want to give your body and your eyes also just a little bit of rest. Um, quilting can take a lot out of you. I mean, it's 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 physical. It's a hardcore sport. They don't believe me, but it is. <laughs> um, so you want that periodic rest. You also want to um, wear shoes that support your feet. If you have um, anti-fatigue mats, that's helpful mm -hmm. if you're standing. And um, just relax and go with the flow of your design. And just remember, you don't have to do it all at once. Um, don't if you're using a long arm, you don't have to grip it that tight. Just give yourself a little bit of a break. Yeah, I find myself when I'm machine quilting, holding my breath or mm. put like tensing my shoulders up so they're like very near my neck. And I just sometimes have to remind myself, take a breath, mm -hmm. relax. <laughs> so around the office, everyone knows I always like to listen to music, but I find music really helps with quilting because sometimes you can just take a little break to boogie. And that loosens up your shoulders. <laughs> so. I like it. Great tips, Joanna. Thank you for those important reminders. For this week's Ask Us Anything, I'm selfishly taking this one to talk about my birthday project for the upcoming year. About a month ago on the podcast, I shared about my idea of a birthday project. The last two years, I've done a special year-long project aimed at expanding my quilting skills, documenting a year in my life, and making a beautiful memento to share and display. In the past, I've done a hexagon a day for a calendar quilt and an improv block project. You can listen to our episode 439 to hear more about those projects. I had so many people reach out on Instagram about these projects that I thought I would share about my new birthday challenge. I'm calling it Give It a Month. I thought it would be fun to try things on my quilting bucket list each month of the upcoming year. A month will give me enough time to immerse myself in a new technique, but not too long that I become bored with it. Each month, starting with October, which was my birthday month, I'm tackling a new quilting challenge. I've made a preliminary list, 
but won't commit to anything until that month so that I can choose something I'm feeling excited and passionate about. I'll spend the month learning, practicing, reading, taking classes, and anything else I need to do to truly learn and be immersed in the quilting technique. I just wrapped up the first month of the project. So for month one, I worked with wool. So I've worked with wool a few times in the past as embellishments on wall hangings, but never have made a whole wool project. I started by reading some books, watching videos, and scanning blog posts. Then I curated all the advice and suggested tools I just learned about and tested them to find my favorites. So this is just me personally. I know everyone has their own favorite tools for different quilting techniques, but I really ended up loving working with a chenille needle, embroidery floss, and using a lightweight iron-on fusible to hold the wool applique pieces in place. Then I completed the cutest little wool snowman project to put my skills to the test. After a month, I definitely would work with wool again. It wasn't as hard as I thought, and I love that wool projects look so charming, even with mistakes or imperfect stitching. <laughs> I'm so glad I gave myself the space to try this new-to-me technique so I can become more confident using different types of textiles. So month two just started for me in this challenge, and I'll be sewing for at least 30 minutes a day. Now, some of you listening probably have the pleasure of doing this all the time, but with a full-time job and an active social life, I can sometimes go weeks without sewing. I decided I wanted to prioritize me time in my sewing space, and that 30 minutes a day was just the push I needed to finish up handmade holiday gifts, wrap up some UFOs, and de-stress during the busy holiday season. I've been posting all my progress for these monthly challenges on Instagram, so if you're curious to follow along or even want to join in, find me on Instagram at Mayland. That's L-I-N-D-S-M-A-Y-L-A-N-D. And as always, if you have a question you'd like us to tackle on air, just email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Now I'll dive into reader tips a segment where we share your best advice to common quilting struggles. This week, we'll explore a few tips for hanging and displaying your quilts. With the holiday season in full swing, you may be looking for a way to add more seasonal quilts to your decor, so hopefully these tips help. So this first tip comes from Helen Jetterson. She says, I use wooden yardsticks and rulers to display my traditional quilts on a gallery wall in my home. I hang quilts with clothespins, tabs, and sleeves, or fold quilts and drape them over a yardstick. That sounds like a really cute idea. This next tip is from Cecilia Manares from Glendora, California. She says, frames for vintage record albums are perfect for displaying miniature quilts. The frames allow for some thickness, keep the quilts dust-free, and show the quilts for what they are, little works of art. This is a really perfect idea, too, if you have any holiday or seasonal minis, because then you can take them right off the wall in the frame, and they'll stay nice and clean and crisp for the next holiday season. This next tip is from Shandy Shuffled of Middleport, New York. She says, I take a picture of every quilt I make, print the picture, and label it with the date the quilt was made, for whom it was made, 
the fabrics used, and any other information about the quilt. I then put the picture in a sheet protector and I store it in a three ring binder. This lets me show my projects anytime, anywhere. The binder also helps me remember the quilts I have made. So this is a little bit of a different idea for displaying your quilts, but is especially helpful if you gift a lot of quilts or you're making a lot of quilts for charity because you can still show off the photo of the quilt so others can see. And our last tip today is from Lori Johnson of Norland, Washington. She says, I love the look of quilts displayed on a ladder. When my husband found a vintage ladder, I scrubbed it clean and made rung racks to protect my quilts. To make a rung wrap, measure the rung length and add one inch. Measure the circumference and add two inches. Cut a strip this size from fabric that matches the ladder. Hem each edge half of an inch and add hook and loop tape to the long edges. It's a very smart idea to keep your quilts protected from any vintage ladders you may be using. So we love hearing these ideas from our readers. So if you're interested in submitting your own tip for feature in our magazines or on the podcast, send an email of your tip to apqtips at meredith.com. We'll be back after this quick ad break. Welcome to Getting Social with Jess. I'm your host, Jess Ziegler. My guest for today's episode is an up-and-comer in the industry. So years ago, I asked him to make a block of one of my feathered star patterns in support of an upcoming quilt along that I was hosting. Well, he agreed, and he did such a phenomenal job with it, and, ex- and in exchange, I got to do some quilting for him as well, even though he's in Canada, which was a special treat. Um, teamwork makes the dream work, as they say. Um, so fast forward just a few short years later, and he has just got done debuting his first fabric line called Stag and Thistle with Northcott Fabrics, and that was just in Houston this year. So... His name is Brett Lewis, and he can be found on Instagram at naturalbornquilter, and be sure to check out his website as well, which is just naturalbornquilter.com. Here is our combo. Welcome to the show, Brett Lewis. So you are at Natural Born Quilter on Instagram. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm so excited to talk to you about your first fabric collection. But before we do that, I want to give everyone a short background of your um, personal life, your quilting life, whatever you'd like to include. For sure. Yeah. So like I said, again, thanks so much for having me, Jess. My name is Brett Lewis, and I have a son, Damien, who is five and just started kindergarten and my husband, Jonathan, and my day job full-time is in agriculture for the federal government, born and raised on a farm in beautiful Summerland, British Columbia, which has a lot of inspiration for my line. So, you know, full-time day job, full-time family, and then this cool thing thing on the side is turned into this other full-time gig, kind of, so. <laughs> yeah, when did you start? What was your first project? I started I, three and a half years ago. I got a sewing machine and took a quilting class at the recommendation of my mother-in-law. We were, I wasn't from a sewing background besides my mom having a sewing machine for hemming or making drapes on the farm kind of thing. And we were gifted a baby quilt for our son. And I was like, ooh, this is kind of cool. There's some neat fabrics. Like I in, always envisioned quilts as, you know, old florals and not the nicest stuff with my aesthetics. So at the encouragement of my mother-in-law, she said, oh, you know, why don't you go buy some fabric? I'll make 
Damien a quote when he's bigger. So going to a fabric store, sold by the meter, bought like eight meters of fabric for this quilt because I didn't know what I was doing and know what a fat quarter was and brought it back and fabrics kind of sat with her for a little bit like maybe a year and she's like you know what take a baby quilting class so I took a rotor cutting class and a baby quilt class and that was my first project and in my first year I think I of sewing I sewed something like 14 quilts or something like finished wow. so I just dove in and it hit me hard I love that. So, um, I mean, you have your first fabric line out. Like, just tell me about that experience. That's wild. It's it's pretty surreal. That's for sure. You know, if you had asked me when I first started, if I'd seen this going to what's happening now, I would be like, oh, what are you talking about? So, yeah, I, I had always really liked, you know, home decor and design and quilting for me. I never really had an artistic medium growing up besides maybe photography where I felt comfortable to to do something that I loved with color. So when I discovered quilting, I was like, oh, this is something I like and I can put different patterns together and different shapes and colors and and create something. Like I like the term people use like textile artists sometimes. I think it's really cool. So then the opportunity came up where I was actually on the quilting cruise and I got an email from Northcott Fabrics saying, hi, you know, we follow you on Instagram. We really like what you do with color and design. Have you ever thought about becoming a fabric designer? You know, we'd love to have a further discussion with you. So that was like a really surreal moment, like literally being on the ocean on a quilting cruise to Alaska, kind of like with my fabric idol teaching and be like, whoa, okay, this is like some universe kind of telling me something here that's maybe something I should try and pursue a little bit. So that's how that all kind of started. That's wild. That's so cool. Very good. So did you have any kind of ideas at that point? Or how did you uh, launch in? Like, how do you even start? (laughs) Yeah, so what I did at their suggestion too, like immediately had ideas kind of in my head of things I'd I would like to see on my own fabric and I've always I mean my degree is in agriculture and I've always been really big into plants and animals so right off the bat I was like I really want this to be kind of a flora and fauna plants and animals line using like jewel tones that I really like like fabric that I'm attracted to but put my spin on it I went through kind of like photographs for inspiration just kind of searching some stuff they like but I a lot of just about every print of my line has kind of like some meaning from something from my childhood growing up in the so lots of the plants and animals in there and the little things you see are kind of meaningful things to my childhood like there's magpies in there which we have tons of magpies on our farm do you know what a magpie is you i don't oh you don't okay well you'll see them. well they're birds are they birds they are they're a bird yeah and they're really really pretty they're a little bit of an annoying bird, like squawking wise early in the morning. But uh, I recolored a lot of them. Obviously, they're not, you know, they're traditionally black and white, but I wanted to make them uh, iridescent and jewel tones. So did that. And then I put a dogwood uh, flower from a tree because I planted a dogwood tree for my mom when I was a kid. So there's lots of these these little bits from my whole childhood and growing up there for inspiration that inspired and then to kind of take it to the next level for the people I'm like I'm gonna put some sewing notions throughout because I think quilters are like that for yeah. fussy petting and kind of fun and it's kind of paying some respect to like that aspect of the quilting world that I so much love yeah and you are a very good fussy cutter I feel <laughs> like <you>. that's <laughs> That's a, that's something special to me because I just never, it doesn't even occur to me. So when, but I definitely notice it and I can appreciate when somebody else takes the time 
not me. When somebody else takes the time, no, too. It just adds so much. And I love how that that skill that you have has influenced how you're making your fabrics. I think that's awesome. I think I know a lot of people like, oh, I can't believe you fussy cut it. Waste so much fabric. But to me, like it looks so cool in the end result if you have creating the secondary pattern. And it's been really fun as I've evolved in my skills to do fussy cutting and English paper piecing per se as before Mm. just in traditional blocks. And the one thing that I really discovered that I really like by using um, some of my older fabric where maybe I had random cuts was like splice, what I call splice fussy cutting and creating a complete image from, you know, if you have two halves of like a stag head, you can put them together with the seam allowance and create a whole stag head in two colorways. And then you get this whole other kind of element that's really kind of cool. So oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I haven't really thought about that. Um, yeah. I don't, I can't think of anybody else doing that. Ah, uh, there's a few other people that have done it. I know I was doing it when we did the, that Hunter Block so along, like the Tula Pink book. And I was doing, trying mm-hmm. to do that for quite a few things. And then I've since seen, and I wasn't the first to do it by far, but I remember uh, that really kind of took off on Instagram and people commenting and stuff, which was really cool. Oh, neat. See a lot of different people doing them now. So Okay, yeah. cool. Definitely. So your your line is called Stag and Thistle with Northcutt. And when will it be out in stores? It is shipping April 2020. So I know it's a little bit of a wait, but they announced it online, I think as of September 1st. And I was like, so excited. I was like, I can't not post images. I mean, anyone could just Google it and find it there. So I was like, I got to post. And I know it's it's challenging to quilters that would want to buy it right now. Right now it's on order for like shops and stuff, right? So they have access to get the orders in. So yeah, so the spring. Awesome. And you, have you developed new patterns for this line? Yes, I have. So that is a bit of a new venture developing patterns. I've done a couple patterns before with birch fabrics. And then this time I dove in and decided to play with electric quilt at home without any training Mm -hmm. (laughs) which was fun and I and I developed three patterns for this line a couple of them quite simplistic but they show off the the blocks really nicely and then one I that I'm most proud of which I called Meadow Valley which is actually the area I grew up as a kid was called Meadow Valley and it has a lot of curves a lot of New York beauty blocks a lot of foundation paper piecing and fussy cutting so it's totally my jam and then the other two are called Woodland Windows and Grove Gathering so oh yeah. good even the names evoke like even though it's not my childhood to grow up on a farm but I can just like picture that it, it feels warm and inviting and nostalgic almost yeah for sure yeah and then I'm really excited because I for going to because I'm going to quote market having my own booth that there are numerous other makers across states that everyone probably knows that are have some original patterns launching in my fabric too so that's really exciting so yeah awesome that's so cool um and I read somewhere that you are a certified teacher for so kind of wonderful patterns I am yeah so that was a more recent venture I met those three amazing sisters on the Alaska quilting cruise last year and I remember leading up to that I was like I was always traditionally doing curves with pins and I'm like I'm not sure about this method. Nope. And this does not look like that easy method they talk about. And like, I literally sat down, they demoed it. I sat down and did it and I was like hooked. So Yay. in touch with uh, Jenny and Helen and um, have since become a certified teacher. I just taught a class last weekend, actually. And prior to this call, I was making uh, a mini, which I'm making into a pillow with my scraps of stag and thistle. So yeah. 
Oh, good. That's yeah. cool. So if anyone wants to get in touch with you about teaching, how would they like email your web through your website or? Yeah. The easiest is probably my website, which is just naturalbornquilter.com. And there's like an email button there. I'm also very active on Instagram. So I have people messaging me about inquiries on there. A little bit on Facebook. I do have a Facebook page as well, all, all under Natural Born Quilter. So that is an option for sure. Oh, that's so wonderful. Well, I am really glad to be able to catch up. And I mean, we've been in contact with each other for a couple of years. Yeah. And to yeah. like talk face to face in quotes. I'm so excited for your line launching and just your career in this industry. I love watching you succeed and, and it's just taken off, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very surreal and I feel really grateful that it's all happened and it's really just taken this trajectory and I hope everyone likes what I'm coming out with. So Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, very good. Thanks for your time today. I really like talking with you. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much, Jess. Take yeah. care. It is so exciting to talk to these young designers who have only been quilting for a short time and to see their work just take off in the industry. It's so encouraging to me that even if you're just learning to sew and quilt, there is a place for you to spread your wings and design and share your something special with the world. So that's my encouragement for you today. Um, also, in, in non-encouraging news, I wouldn't have been able to pick out a magpie out of a photo lineup or like a sonic lineup for the life of me. After our conversation was over, Brett sent me a video of a magpie just singing its little heart out. Um, but yeah, wouldn't have known it at all. Um, so I'm Jess, your bird illiterate host. And if you would like to get in touch with me, the easiest way is through Instagram. I'm at threaded quilting over there. Take care and have a beautiful week.